Timothy chapter 3 is where we're at. And, uh, oh, this is amazing. I have 30 minutes to teach the Bible. And I love teaching the Bible. And uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, let's pray. And then we're going to talk about opening Emmanuel. So the next couple of weeks, and it'll be much, much clearer uh, when we get to Sunday, when you look in the bulletin, and the opening uh, is right there, so it'll be much, much clearer. But let's pray, and then we'll start. Heavenly Father, God, I ask that you would unite us as a church. Now, that is funny to me, Lord, when I think about how scattered we are right now. And I ask that as we all gather back together, that we would gather, as we have found out, that we would gather uh, spiritual. We would gather with a hunger and a thirst. Things of God would mean much more to us. And Lord, as we reopen church, we get back to your business corporately, Lord, I ask that all of us would be of a single mind, a single heart, and that we would understand this is what church is supposed to be. This is what our role is in making church what it needs to be. Bless us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. 1 Timothy chapter 3, if you'll notice, verse 1 through verse number 7 is about the qualifications of a pastor. So a pastor right there, uh, come right down, and, uh, and one of the uh, qualifications that sometimes I wish wasn't upon me for this office is right there in, in toward the end of verse number 3. It says, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, look at that, not a brawler. I'm telling you right now that uh, sometimes when pastor gets in the flesh, I'm thinking, mm, is anybody looking? And then all of a sudden I realize my boss is looking. Amen. Uh, so he had the qualifications in verse number 1 through verse number 7. I hope you have your Bibles open. In verse number 8 through verse number 13, you now have the qualifications for the deacons. So now we have just understood that if a man desire the office, and we know that this is not a universal office because he relates it to in verse number 4, one that ruleth well his own house. In verse number 5, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God. So this is not a universal thing. These are local assemblies that are taking place. Now, I think I need to pause for the sake of maybe just resetting a foundational understanding of what the book is all about. The church in the wilderness, this is what is referred to as this gathering of God's people. So understand that there was the family and then the family went into Egypt, and then they came out of bondage. They crossed the Red Sea, and at that point, according to the New Testament, they were considered the church in the wilderness. So here you have this church marching along and, uh, and, and marching through this wilderness, and there's a lot of types here, but just suffice it to say this, that all of a sudden you get to Malachi, them all the travel all the way down through Malachi and that uh, this this family of God this this group of people that should be honoring the Lord now is in disarray 
total disarray. By the time you get to Malachi and somebody shuts the lights out till you get to Matthew between the two testaments, you're going to find out that by the time they, they got there, Malachi 1 is a great example of where they were at. They were bringing the contemptible things to the Lord. They were supposed to bring these spotless lambs, these excellent sacrifices. But what they were doing is they were taking the lame and they were taking these, these puny sacrifices and they were bringing them to the Lord. Listen to what God said through the prophet Malachi. He said, hey, my table is contemptible and you've proven it by what you're bringing to me. Then he made the comparison. He said, offer it to your governors and see if they want it. This is what had happened. Their, their lip service and their heart, their lips gave the whited sepulcher that on the outside they were the same. But in their hearts, the Bible said, starting in Isaiah, that their lips and their heart became two opposite things at two opposite ends. So darkness comes. Now coming onto the scene in Matthew is the Son of God. We know that he was born to take away the sins of the people. But Jesus, where everybody came to Jesus for their sustenance and for their healing, then Jesus did something at the end of the Gospels. Jesus died, was crucified, and was buried. You say, Pastor, that is so simplistic, but it is the foundation, would you not agree, of everything that we do. And now he ascends. So his plan was to have multiple churches everywhere preaching this glorious gospel that he's alive and he can change lives and he can take you to heaven. That was the plan. So now Emmanuel Baptist Church is nothing more than one of those local assemblies, just one. So because it is one of those local assemblies, then guess what? We are underneath the Bible mandate of what does this body of believers, what does this church, what is it all about? Now you come down to the end of 1 Timothy chapter 3, and Timothy is talking, Paul is writing Timothy, look at verse 14. So he said, Timothy, these are the two offices of the church, and uh, it's, a, it's a local church there. And uh, look at verse 14. These things write I unto thee, hoping to come unto thee shortly, but if I tarry long, that thou mayest know how thou oughtest to behave thyself in the house of God, which is the, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and what? Ground of the truth. Now, this is what we talked about, and I've taken about seven minutes now, and this is what we've talked about two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, we talked about the fact that this church is to be the pillar and the ground of truth. So from this pulpit and from every Sunday school class, everything we do, we are to take the truth. This is where we firm up the truths that are found in God's Word. And I gave you three truths two weeks ago. There is the truth of God. You, you look throughout the Bible, there is the truth of God. This truth of God that we are to give is concerning three things about God. It is concerning the punishment of God. Listen, God's a holy God. God is a holy God. And, and people just have this idea that I can live like I want to and God won't do anything. Yes, he will. You live like you want to and reject Jesus Christ, his son, you'll die and go to hell. Live like you want to as his child, and he will chastise you. 
And I will tell you this, that we have lost a fear of God. We've lost it. In the 90s, there was this no fear. When I was a youth pastor, it was like no fear. People were doing crazy things because of like no fear. And the thing was what? You scared? Let me tell you, when it comes to an almighty God, be scared. Because we're talking about a holy God. So this is the truth. So there, there is this God, he does punish. There is this God that he does have this master plan. That's the truth. So, so the narrative you should always be hearing from Emmanuel Baptist Church is along these lines. Hey, 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 God. God's a God of punishment. Absolutely he is. Hey, by the way, God's a God that has this master plan. And hey, by the way, God's a God of promises. And when God makes a promise, so this is the truth of God. So everything we do comes down to these, the church, Emmanuel Baptist Church, we are the pillar and ground of the truth. We are not responsible for what any other church does. We are not to concern ourselves with what churches across the nation do. That, that is none of our concern. We pray for them. We hurt when they hurt. We, we, we just grieve when something bad happens at a church. But here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, our job is to make sure the truth of God goes out. God is a God of punishment. God is a God of a master plan. And God is a God of promises when he give, gives his word. And by the way, aren't we glad, once saved, always saved, that when he said he'll save you forever, that you're saved forever. The second truth we talked about was the truth of Christ. And this truth of Christ is about honesty and being, and the Bible word is unfeigned. It's just the honesty of it. When Christ comes in, he's light. In him is no darkness at all. He is the word. He is the light. He is the life. He is the way. Whosoever abideth in him. So there is this thing that is said, hey, you're, you're a Christian. You're to act like Christ several years ago. They came up with WWJD, what would Jesus do? Now, the only reason that I sometimes don't like that is because I didn't think of it. I could have made a million and uh, could have paid off the church's debt uh, or many more millions. And uh, so, uh, but, but the truth of Christ, honesty. Do you know that, I'll give you a little parenting tip. Do you know that the end of all disappointment cannot be the parents? Parents you and I cannot be the end. When the kids, when we were raising them, uh, an old, old man and an old, old lady uh, that had raised their children gave me the best piece of advice as a young father. There was one time that Deanna was very young, and I uttered the words, oh, Deanna, I'm disappointed in you. And before we left that house for that fellowship, uh, that couple said, hey, hey, Bob, can, can, we, can we tell you something? Do you know if you keep saying you're the one that's disappointed, one day when they're not with you, why behave? Transfer that to Christ. And I can remember the breakthrough with, with Deanna in that bedroom when I walked in. She would give her mama's fits. I, am I digging myself back into a hole? Do, do, I, do I go tell stories? What, what say you here? Because I don't know if they're listening. I don't even know what camera I'm supposed to be on. And uh, Okay, right there. And, and, and Deanna, 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 if you're watching me, which you better be, you know I'm telling you the truth. Come on now. And one day I walked in and I said, Deanna, can I tell you something? Do you know who's really sad right now? Jesus. And I started talking in terms like this. Jesus died on the cross for what you did. 
Jesus was suffered for what you did. I think I scared her with all the cross talk. <laughs> and, uh, but, but can I tell you, once that became about Christ, so the truth is this, that there is a God. That's the truth found in the Bible. Then the third truth that we are to be the pillar of is the truth of the gospel. Now, I don't have time uh, because we're going to move on, go back and watch it from two weeks ago. But the truth of the gospel is very, very clear, that the church is the custodian to make sure that the gospel stays simple and that this gospel stays clear and that we do not give credence to anybody for any moment that tries to make the gospel about works or tries to make the gospel very selective to a very few. That's not what the church is about. This church is a whosoever church. This church is God loved the entire world. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come. So there is these truths. Now, let's go all the way back, if we can, to Acts chapter 1. So go to Acts chapter 1, and uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 1. Now we're coming out of the Gospels. As we come out of the Gospels, Jesus in Acts chapter 1 is ascended to heaven. He shows himself, if you're right there in Acts chapter 1, he shows himself alive. So we're talking about tonight the atmosphere. So when we open up Emmanuel, Emmanuel Baptist, listen, what does this atmosphere look like? The truth has to be wrapped in the right kind of atmosphere to be effective. Now listen. The truth of, the, of God, the truth of Christ, and the truth of the gospel. Those are our talking points. But I'm going to let you know that when we get to Acts chapter 1, in verse number 3, he shows himself alive by many infallible proofs, being seen of them, I'm in verse 3, 40 days, and speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. And being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For John truly baptized you with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. They still are locked into the wrong mission. Because look at verse 6. We, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord... Wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? They truly thought that, hey, he conquered death. He conquered the grave. Now he's alive. Now he's going to set up a kingdom. No, not then. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father had put uh, in his own power. Now look at verse 8. I want everyone to focus on verse number 8. We're talking about Emmanuel. You will hear this over and over again. In fact... I want you to underline, uh, if you will, a phrase. It starts out this, but, underline this phrase, ye shall receive power. I want you to underline that. Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Look at this, and underline this one, ye shall be witnesses. You say, Pastor, when we open up Emmanuel Baptist and we're all back to our routine, I mean, everything's back to this routine, what is church going to be like? That phrase right there will dominate our culture here at Emmanuel Baptist. Ye shall be witnesses. 
Well, I want you to mark this one down because coming up in a couple of weeks, you are going to hear that phrase over and over again. Let me just say this. This is not a command. This is a result. Did you see that? And ye, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Look at this, and ye shall be. It's a result. Let me kind of read it this way. But Bob Gray II was smitten in love by Kelly Gray, Kelly Queen. And I had to marry that girl. That's in 2 Bob 1.1. You, you see, when all of a sudden I saw Kelly Queen, and it was like, I've known you since second and third grade. How come it took me so long to recognize the beauty that exists? Can you tell I'm trying to get out of the doghouse? The beauty that exists? And it was when we were freshmen and sophomore in Bible college that it was like, wow. Do you know what happened? It was so full here that me telling her I love her, me asking her to marry her, guess what? It was a result of everything back here. Everything that was going on on the inside was a result. This was a result. And what he's telling them is this. Let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to be so full of the Spirit of God that you will have no choice but to be a witness. Everywhere you go, you're going to witness to people all over the place. So when we get to the beginning church, this, 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 this part of this church that said... We love the Lord. I mean, filled with the Holy Ghost. All of a sudden, this is what the, that move was all about when, when, they, when they got to Acts chapter 2. Now let's go to Acts chapter 2 because I, I need to focus on uh, toward the end of the chapter. So in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost was fully come. Uh, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as fire, and it sat upon them, and they were, fit, were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. That's glossa. That is not a heavenly gibberish. That is glossa, a physical language, uh, as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men of every nation, and when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded. Look at this. Because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled. So what happened? They were like, hey, there's a lot of people here. We got to start telling them about Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden, this was just a wonderful thing. Let me stop, Emmanuel, and please listen to what your pastor is going to tell you right now. The people in Acts, in the book of Acts, had no idea what was about to happen. You see, a lot of times we read the book of Acts and we think to ourselves, oh man, we want that 3,000 and we, we got to have that 3,000 saved and we got to have that 3,000 baptized. And so guess what we do? We start at the end with the motivation of the numbers and then we turn around and we back up to see how can we manipulate this thing to get a bunch of numbers. That is not what happened here. That, that was not. They went from seeing their Savior go up into heaven, and they're standing there gazing straight up into heaven, and he said, why are you standing here gazing? 
That same man that you saw take up, he'll come again. Now you get back and you get up to that prayer room and you pray. And what's going to happen is when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, ye shall be witnesses. So guess what happened? Acts chapter 2. They're filled with the Holy Ghost and they just started witnessing. And guess what happened? There was this jaw-dropping They, they, they didn't know. Listen, they didn't know. But if I had a nickel for every time I have heard a preacher say, let me tell you how they got the 3,000, and then they go back and try to manipulate the mandate. No. Let me tell you something. This is God's work. God will do it in his time. You know what our job is? Stay as close as you can to the Spirit. And guess what? Ye shall be witnesses. And then all of this is going to happen right down here. I was uh, spending time with my, my son-in-law, and uh, we happened to be fishing. We had a couple of hours, and we went fishing. And as we're fishing, he asked me about when I had gotten right with the Lord at 17. And, uh, and he said, you know, what were those beginning days like? And I said, I said well, that was 84 so 84. And I said, the only way I can describe every weekend was this. It was one great big party. It, it, it was you woke up every weekend. I'm 17 years of age. And you woke up every weekend going, this is going to be the greatest day ever. You woke up every Saturday and every Sunday, and you just went out and told everybody you can. And we came back completely oblivious to how many people were coming. And then all of a sudden, the bus started filling up. People started coming. And the only reason we started counting was to plan how to, how, what we needed for the next week. And all of a sudden, we were just like 20 people would come. And so how many do we have today? 20? Well, you know, how many do we have the week before? 10? Oh, well, you better buy 30 of that then. The only reason we counted was for the sake. Now, Emmanuel, you have to know this and you have to listen to your pastor. The only reason we counted was for the sake to know how many we need, stuff we need to give away. How many chairs are we going to need in that room? What's going to happen over there? We only counted not for the sake of anything else other than to prepare for what was going to happen next. And we didn't even know what was going to happen next, but we knew this. We love the Lord, and we just want to get this gospel out, and we would witness everywhere. And all of a sudden, it just became contagious until this happened, and it happened everywhere. All of a sudden, it was like, let me tell you a story. I'm all, I, I like telling stories. Let me tell you a story. So I became the youth pastor in, in 87, and, um, and so I started traveling and preaching right along 88, 89, somewhere in there. I was in Florida preaching a meeting. I'm 21, 22 years of age. So it's been a while back. 21, 22 years of age. And I'm sitting there, not even, not even paying attention to anything other than I just love the Lord. And, and I still love the Lord. And uh, I just love the Lord. And, and somebody around the table said, um, started talking just about numbers. And, and it was like, then they looked at me. I'm, I mean, I'm listening to them, rejoicing about the people getting saved. And so they asked me, and I was just honest with them, you know. And all of a sudden, 
there was like a holy hush came over and the whole dynamic changed. Because here what can happen to Emmanuel if we're not careful. If everybody that attends Emmanuel Baptist would just say this, I'm going to get as close to the Spirit of God as I can get, then what's going to happen is you shall be a witness. And when you're a witness, the same thing that happened in the book of Acts is going to happen in your life, and it is going to happen at Emmanuel Baptist. You mark my word, but not because we're going to count, but because Almighty God just needs witnesses. And when we are witnesses, then what's going to happen is, you, oh, I blew that off, didn't I? And when, when we are witnesses, then what's going to happen is people are going to get saved and people are going to get baptized and things are going to start happening at such a high rate of speed, not because we tried to get a number, but because we just walked with the Spirit. And when we started comparing ourselves then that's when we started manipulating. And when I re- when we reopen Emmanuel, not going to happen because we are just going to be witnesses. Seven minutes and 40 seconds to talk about the last of Acts chapter 2. I will expound on it next week. But when this all comes down to it, the concluding atmosphere we want in our church be begins when we understand everybody submit to the Spirit of God. When we submit to the Spirit of God, you can't help but tell people about the Son of God. Submit to the Spirit of God, you tell people about the Son of God. You're going to hear this over and over again. Submit to the Spirit of God, you will tell people about the Son of God. Tell people about the Son of God, and guess what? Whatever language they're speaking and whatever's going on in their life, I am amazed at the power of God's Word. I can be preaching on God loves you, Jesus loves you, John 3, 16, and some lady calls me and says, how dare you preach on submission? I didn't even talk about it, ma'am. But the Holy Spirit must have. That's why somebody says, well, every other word you talk is about money. Well, that's not true because if it was, here's how the conversation would go. Hello, money, how money, our money, you money, today money. That's not true. But the same God that dwells over there in John 3, 16, dwells back there in Malachi chapter 3. And guess what? He brings it right down to where we're living. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit. You and I probably don't even know what we're, when we go out and we witness, we're just telling people, hey, Jesus Christ can change you. Jesus Christ can save you and get out of the way, get out of the way. But if there's any twinge that we're doing this to be bigger than the next church, Spirit of God doesn't bear witness with that kind of stuff. The Spirit of God bears witness with the the gospel, the truth of Christ, which is this unfeigned faith. I'm not trying to sell anything. I just don't want you to die and go to hell. You need a Savior. That's what this is all about. The end of a church, okay? So you can tell that a church, the atmosphere, that the witnessing is where it needs to be because of the atmosphere. Am I making you dizzy yet? (laughs) Because of the atmosphere. Go to the end of Acts chapter 2 and look what it says. Now, we're all the way through. We get to Acts 2.41. Then they that gladly received his word were, what please, baptized. And the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. And they. 
Look at it, continued steadfastly in what, please? The apostles' doctrine, fellowship, breaking of bread, prayers. Did you see that? It was apostles' doctrine, it was fellowship, it was breaking of bread, and it was prayers. Why did he not just say doctrine? Because teaching is teaching. But there was something about the apostles' teaching. Who was an apostle? An apostle was somebody that saw Jesus Christ. Would you please, this end result, what does Emmanuel Baptist look like when we open? When we open, what we want is everybody to be close to the Spirit so we tell about the Son. When you tell about the Son, people's lives are going to be transformed. And when their lives are transformed, they can expect four things. One, for us to always talk about the teachings of Christ. Always. Number two, they can expect fellowship. And, and I'll go through verses next week. They can expect fellowship. The third thing they can expect is the breaking of bread. This, this intimate time. Probably the, the time that, that people share the deepest conversation is this breaking of bread. That's why when somebody comes into church, you and I don't just need to sit and then like, well, you know, I'll see you next Sunday. Oh, no. Oh, no, no, no. You see, for people to continue and for the church to be the kind of church it needs to be, we have to have teachings about Christ. We have to have this, this fellowship. We have to have the breaking of bread, and we have to have prayer. That's why... I would encourage every member of Emmanuel, never leave a brother or sister in Christ without prayer. I am so convicted about this. <laughs> we, we had a meeting trying to discuss Emmanuel reopening, and, uh, and uh, the meeting did not go well, okay? It just did not go well. I'm supposed to be conducting this meeting, and it did not go well. It got to the next day and to the next day, not the meeting, but the day, two days after that, uh, I, 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 I told a, a couple of people, I said, hey, I think I know what went wrong in that meeting. We didn't pray. And I think we don't pray. I, I think we are so narcissistic and so full of ourselves that we think we can enter into anything without praying. I'm going to encourage you. Start now. Start praying. Start praying. So these four things. Now, now let's go to the progression, all right? When they were filled with the Spirit, they witnessed about the Son. When they witnessed about the Son, all of a sudden, people, it was amazing what was happening. When this happened, then all of a sudden, they had these four elements. So every time they continued in these four things, would you look at the end result, and then we're going to stop for tonight. Look, at, if you will, in the Word. Verse number 44, 43. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Now, if you would, stop right there and go back to the beginning of Acts chapter 2, if you will, and look at verse number 6. In verse number 6, they were confounded. I want you to notice what's happening now to the onlookers. They were confounded. And then all of a sudden, you drop all the way back to the verse we just read in verse 43, and now fear. I'm telling you, it was an undeniable move of God that all of a sudden everybody was like, oh, oh, I, I don't know what's going on, but, but this is pretty good. And this is what I think 
is in keeping with the two greatest commandments. Look at verse 44. And all that believed were together and had all things common and sold their possessions and goods and parted to them imparted them to all men. Look at the last phrase, as every man had what? Need. When someone's yielded to the Spirit, they witness about the Son. When they witness about the Son, then God does some amazing things. When God does some amazing things, he did not mean for it to stop there. He meant for this group of believers to have these four things. It's just, just, let's talk more about Christ. Let's get together and let's fellowship. Let's break the bread. Come over to the house. Let's let's break the bread. And then let's pray together. And then out of this, and we're going to talk about it next week, out of this comes a natural, watch this, coming together becomes a natural, who do you think we can help? Who do you think we can help? I told uh, one of our men I was going to use this illustration, and he gave me permission. This week, this week, a couple of our men were meeting for prayer at a, a coffee shop. They couldn't go in. They had to sit on the outside. And uh, I got a text. I said, Pastor, where are you at right now? And I said, well, I'm coming down the loop, headed toward an appointment and they said, hey, can you swing in here? I did. So I swung into where they were at. Sure enough, there were like four of our men sitting on this patio drinking coffee. And I walked up and said, guys, what are you doing? And they said, well, one, we had to get out of the house. And, and, and I, should, I, should, I, should, I should throw you guys under the bus because if I'm in trouble, you need to be in trouble. And, the, and they said, Pastor, we, we had to get out of the house. And I said, okay. So the purpose is you're, y'all going to go rob a bank? And they simply said, no, 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 we were just sitting here talking. And then we thought we'd pray together. And Pastor, you know what conclusion we came to? Do do you know anybody who has a need? And so I looked at those guys and I said, yeah, yeah, I do, I do. And I took my phone and I showed a need. I said, guys, you know, with all this going on, this family truly has a need. And they looked at each other and said, let's go do it. They got up and went and did a couple of things to meet a need. Emmanuel Baptist, this is the atmosphere that we have to have for us to reopen to just become a social club, to just become another gathering. The word ecclesia just means assembly. It means a gathering. They're going to do that at the Little League. They will do that at Super One. They will do that at 100 different places. But you know what the difference is? When we gather, this ecclesia is built upon Jesus Christ, and we have something to witness about. So I'm just praying. I'm just praying that the more we go and the longer we go, that as we start reopening, that, Emmanuel, you're going to hear this. Ye shall be witnesses. Here's my prayer, that every one of us, myself included, would absolutely get alone with the Spirit of God, get in the Word of God, spend time with God, stay sensitive to the Spirit of God, and what you're going to find out is ye shall be. You, you, you won't be able to help it. And then the times you witness, the oddest times you tell somebody about Christ is the time the most amazing things are going to happen.
and there are stories all over. But let's not do it for the 3,000. Let's do it because we love the Savior. And then we witness about him. Stay next to the Spirit so you can witness about the Son, so you're very sensitive. Watch God do some amazing things. Then we have these elements involved. You know what the end purpose is? Meet needs. Meet needs. I could go on and on about, this, about the needs being met. Just, it is incredible. And Emmanuel Baptist, this is because I believe that our church is headed down the right path. And Longview, Texas, Gladewater, White Oak, Kilgore, Henderson, Orr City, Diana, New Diana, that we are surrounded, Hallsville, we are surrounded by people who need the Lord. I say this often, I got to quit because I've gone three minutes and 50 seconds over, but I will tell you that I've said this often, you take every auditorium in this town, regardless of what kind of church it is, it couldn't hold half of the population of this town. I doubt a fourth of the population. So about the time we think everybody goes to church, get out on Sunday morning, drive around. Pandemic or no pandemic, I promise you. But here's the beautiful thing about it. God knows who needs the gospel. Thank you for taking the time to be here. Thank you all very much for taking the time. Thanks for watching. By faith, I hope you're watching. And uh, so praise the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.